Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Chasing Easy, where easy investors seldom on the same path. And that's a quote by Alan Arnold, who is a coach, business coach, as well as an author. And life is easy. It's the choices that we make that are hard, which is a quote from my husband, Ron Leet. Listen in as everyday ordinary people, which I have on this podcast today, give us some stories about how they've overcome some hardships through authentic and unscripted conversation. So I hope that you will help me to welcome Sharice, Sharice to the podcast. Thank you, Sharice, for coming and just your willingness to be able to share your, your story, which is, which is pretty amazing, actually. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having mm -hmm. me. You're welcome. Can can we start? Let's talk about how we met. I, I always like to do that. So how did we meet? We met on a trip to the Bahamas in the middle of the ocean. And here um, we are. <laughs> Truly. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the reason that I wanted you to share that is because we just really need to be intentional about the people that we surround ourselves with. And sometimes you're going to meet somebody who you really just connect with. And whether I had a podcast or not, I would say that you're, you're somebody that would be really cool to connect with just over the course of a couple of days that we got to know each other. So yes, thank, thank you. You're welcome. I didn't even know you had a podcast when we were talking. <laughs> yeah. See, you probably would not have shared what you did if you thought I might no. ask you to be on it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I am. I'm, I'm glad that you've uh -huh. volunteered, should I say, to be a guest. Yes. yes, you're welcome. And thank you. <clears throat> you're welcome. So now that we got all the formalities out of the way, let, let's get into the meat of it. And again, this is unscripted. She has no idea what I'm going to be asking. I don't even know what I'm going to be asking. And But I know the context. So Sharice, there were two specific stories that you had shared with me that really touched my heart. And the first one that you were sharing had to do with, you were 17 years old and something happened and you had to make a decision. And so I'm hoping that maybe you'll walk us through what happened at 17, what you were feeling, and then a little background that you can share so that we get a context of what happened when you discovered something. So what was that something? Um, when I was 17, I became pregnant. I was six months away from graduating high school and uh, it was not ideal. Um, I don't think any teenager gets pregnant and thinks that this is going to be great. This is exactly what I wanted. Um I would agree. So I, I waited as long as possible to tell my parents. And, um, then I told them and I had, I had shared it with my boyfriend at the time. Um, and his initial thought was, uh, you, you should probably, you know, have an abortion. Like this is it almost like it wasn't up for discussion. And I took a little bit longer because I didn't really know if that was something I wanted. I knew I didn't want a baby at that time because I had thoughts and plans of my own when I graduated. Um, and let me and stop at that. Did you mm -hmm. think, Sharice, that, that being pregnant and having a baby was going to interfere with all of those plans that you had? I did. At the okay. time, the mentality that I had at that age, yes, I did. Okay. I was okay. still selfish, I think, at that point. 
Um, so I, I, I wasn't scared. I just really, my gosh, I didn't, I didn't even really like my parents at that time. I didn't have a thought of wanting to be a parent of my own to a child. Like, what was I going to do? You know? Yeah. Um, by the time I, I told my mom, um, I had come around to the, yes, I, I agree. I don't think I want this baby. Um, I will go and have the abortion. And she helped me make the appointment. Um, and she took me to that appointment. And all the while, like my mom is very, she's non-confrontational. Um, she keeps her thoughts and feelings to herself. And that's kind of the household I was brought up in. Don't talk about it. It's not happening. So she was quiet through the whole thing. And we go to the clinic. Um, we fill out the paperwork. I pay the fee and I get back into that room. And I mean, I did everything down to put a gown on, beat up in the stirrups. Doctor comes in and is trying to perform the procedure. And, um, I, I had convulsions basically from the waist down where it, he wasn't able to perform what he needed to perform. He said he, in the state that I was in, he was not going to be able to proceed with it. And in my mind, I'm sitting there laying there and I'm thinking, I don't really want to do this anyway. I, I don't want to do this. I'm doing this for the wrong reasons. Um, and so I, I get dressed and I leave with my mom and, you know, she was happy and sad at the same time. I think, um, I don't think in her mind, she ever would have wanted me to go through with it, but she was supporting the decision I had made. And, um, so that, that's that I, I tell my boyfriend, he, really didn't want anything to do with me after that. And and it's fine. He was not the love of my life. And I honestly, I knew it at that time. He wasn't my person. He's just the person that was there at the time. Um, as sad as that is to say. So yeah, I wow. then so, had a baby and this girl changed my life. Well, but, I want to talk about that happy moment, but I want to ask a couple of questions because there are probably some people in our listening audience right now who might be in that position where they have a surprise pregnancy mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what age they are, their background, any of that stuff, they, they have yeah. a surprise pregnancy. And so they're thinking through a crisis of what they're going to do. So the first question I have is, I know you said your mom was kind of quiet. Did she at any mm -hmm. time offer any alternatives to what you were considering? Um, no. And, and that is just, that's one of those things where we didn't really, we didn't talk about things like that. I mean, I was the girl that asked for birth control and was refused to be given birth control. And like, mm -hmm. so no, she didn't really offer up anything other than to support whatever I wanted to do at this point. Um, and then my, my dad was even less supportive. So that's a whole was your, your background. Was there something in your background that maybe helped you to make a decision? Like how were you raised? Um, no, I mean, I was 
I was raised in this. My dad is the boss of the house. My mom succumbs to what he wants. Um, he is my stepdad. He adopted me when I was three. And one of those life decisions my mom did make and regrets to this day is not letting my real dad and his family be a part of my life when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, his family is a part of my life now. I've still never met him before, but I've met his family. Um, but she didn't let them in because my stepdad refused to let them in. So he was the boss. We went to school. We made good grades. We came home. We had chores. Um, at the time, I had a job. So I also worked after school and, you know, not very many sports or anything. I just, I worked and came home. Did what I was told for the most part. I didn't, I tried to stay out of trouble because I didn't want the hand of my dad to come down on me if I did something out of line. So this was, this was difficult. I was grounded when he found out I was pregnant because I don't even know how that does anything, but yeah. So, I mean, just that's exercising authority, a stern, uh, yeah, just, just, that's exactly what it was my whole life though. So, Cool. And then as far as like faith, I mean, did, was there anything to do with faith in any of it that had any significance or um, a bearing on the decision? No, for me personally, yes, I was raised in this Catholic household, sort of. Um, I went to Catholic school when I was first and second grade, and then my dad decided to pull me out because, um, him and my mom felt that I should join public school. Uh, he wasn't really, when I say raised Catholic, we went to Easter, we went to Christmas, we went to masses. We didn't go to regular weekly mass. Okay. Um, it was never that big, but for his, his family, it really was like you went to church every week and mm. you know, you were a practicing Catholic. He was not a practicing Catholic. Um, so we didn't really have anything like that. And I don't know that that even fits into my life today. It's, I'm a true believer in everything happens for a reason and that you just don't know what that reason is until it presents itself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I would, I would say, I mean, it's sort of a joke in, in <clears throat> the Christian circles that, mm -hmm maybe you're a CEO, which is Christmas and Easter only. You know? <laughs> Truly, yeah. that's that's actually how I was raised. <laughs> yeah. First yeah. time I heard that term, like a CEO, and then they told oh, us that makes absolute sense. <laughs> I've never heard it, but that does make, that yeah. makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's, let's fast forward then, you know, you kind of alluded to, you've got a daughter mm -hmm. um, that you weren't really scared, but I want to go back to the table. I don't want you to live there because I don't want you to relive that. But you said that you knew that this wasn't something that you wanted to follow through with. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't, but I didn't want to upset my boyfriend at the time. Like mm. I sometimes I feel like I still live or I used to up until I was about 30. I think I lived for other people. And I made decisions for other people and I always put myself last. Oh, I'm so sorry. So, I, <clears throat> yeah. 
there's somebody that you're speaking to right now, probably a whole bunch of somebody's that you're speaking to right now, because people pleasers do exactly that. They want to please yeah. everybody else and they put themselves last and it doesn't usually work out long-term. No. Um, you know, we, we are broken there. There's, we're beautifully broken, <laughs> but to be able to recognize that and to know that that's not what I want anymore in my life it, it takes yeah. it takes a lot to change from being a people pleaser to actually loving people, but in the way that you love them, not based on what somebody else's schedule is or expectation is of you. Yeah, yeah. But that yeah. that also comes from how you were raised. I'm sorry, you're you're upset. Oh no, no, I'm not. It's just it, it's deep. It always brings up it brings up emotions, and I am a very emotional person. Um, yeah. and it just, it, these kind of subjects are just something that does that. And it's not in a bad way. Um, I have no issues with any of the decisions I did make. I, I wish I hadn't ever gone as far as I did with trying to have the abortion. Um, but I can't, I can't undo what has been done. I can just, you know, I can share my story. I've told my daughter, my daughter knows the story and mm -hmm. she's grateful for that. She considers mm -hmm. herself a cat that she's got nine lives. And that was just one of them. So, Well, I, I think it, it's interesting <clears throat> and I'm not here to sway you one way or the other on faith or your beliefs. That's not my role, but you knew in your heart that you didn't want to do that. And as you're laying on the table and the doctor is ready to perform, and first of all, I, I don't want to ever give kudos to abortionists, but for him to say he's not going to strap you down, which is what they do today, so that you're still long enough so that he doesn't perforate anything internally, for him to say, I can't do it in your condition, it is kudos to him. Um, but for your body to respond the way it did to protect your daughter, who could not protect herself. Yep. That's divine intervention, my friend. It it really is. It, it's from above. It is a greater power than myself. Yes. Um, I don't have to put a name to it. I just know that it is. It's a greater power that existed in that very moment for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have a blessing now through that. I do. Almost tragedy, and now yeah. you have an incredible, <clears throat> excuse me, testimony to share. So now you're going to have the baby. Um, what? Tell me what you're thinking now, because before it was like, I'm going to give up all these things that I want to do. I can't raise oh. a kid. And so it was easy, wasn't it? Oh, no. Uh, gosh. Going back to that feeling of that, that next six months, there was probably seven months, I guess, because that was that was in March and she wasn't born until September, the end of September. So that next six to seven months was very long, you know, living at home, you're going to school. Um, and at the time, yes, they did have separate schools for girls that were pregnant. They didn't really want the pregnant ones walking around the halls. I did not opt to go to that school. I'm like, I'm staying in public school. I'm, I don't need to leave this school. They did not force me to leave. 
So I graduated. Now, when you say they, yeah. are you talking about the school administration? The school system. Your parents? Mm -hmm. Okay. The school administration, not my parents. Wow. It was really frowned upon to have, I mean, we're talking the late nineties. It, it wasn't common to have a pregnant girl in school. And we did have a school just for pregnant girls. Um, I just, I didn't want to be segregated any more than I already felt I was in a class of 350 people. So I opted to stay there. You know, um, that took tremendous courage. I, I, in hindsight, I see it now. Mm -hmm. Things you don't see when you're in the situation. Sure. Um, I was just quiet. I was quiet and I kept to myself. I, I had something to do, which was finish high school, get my diploma mm. so that I could see what that next step was going to be. Wow. So. And you didn't have the support of the boyfriend anymore. You had, had mentioned no, 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 I did. I did not. I, I did have, um, who is my husband now? He was my first love. He will always be my love. Um, he was in the military at the time. Oh, so sorry. It's okay. Um, and he knew, he knew what had happened, but he was my support system. And you have to remember also in the late nineties, it was, uh, phone cards to use to call long distance because he lived in Florida at the time. And it was crazy. We have, you know, letter writing and all that kind of stuff. So we have memories that kids these days don't have. So yeah. he was my support system. That is amazing. That's, that's another uh, amazing tale that he's going to come alongside you and support you. Yeah. And this child isn't his. And so that yep. that's just beautiful. And I met him yeah. and he just <laughs> seems like such an incredible, amazing man. He, um, he is. I also wouldn't want to cross him because he's pretty big. So, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So he was my support system through the whole thing. Um, if he could have been there during her birth, he would have. He couldn't. He was stationed. Um, I think he was in California at that time. By the time she was born, so he couldn't be there. But the first time he could get home, he came home. He saw her, and it just. Things have worked out in a way that I never would have imagined mm -hmm. prior to uh, leaving that clinic that day. So I, I almost, and it may be what I, I call the episode, it's like tragedy to treasure. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Beautiful. Because I felt like I was in the middle of a a terrible story that is this real life? Is this real life? And, it just didn't feel like it was real. I was hoping I was going to wake up from it sometimes and things have just worked out in a way I can't describe. So let me ask you with your, cause you had him as support. How, how mm. were the other students? Were they receptive of you? Were they, did they, yeah, I you? Kept, what was that? No, I, I had my core friend group and the craziest part was it was also my ex-boyfriend's core friend group because we were just a small group that hung out together um so I did have friends that that hung around I did not get mocked nobody if they knew they knew if they didn't they didn't um it wasn't like I was I wore baggy clothes I wasn't really showing showing 
I'm up until after I graduated. So by the time summer came along, that's really when I started showing. And, Mm -hmm. but the people that did know, no, they just, they knew whose it was and they knew how he had treated me. And really he probably got mocked more than I did. So just for, yeah. So no, they were all supportive. I really didn't. I think the least supportive, which was just at home. I just felt like I was alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom was excited, truly not to be a grandma at the age of 43, but she, she was there. She was supportive in her way. She was supportive as best so. she could be probably <clears throat> she did. She, I, I think she held back her feelings as well, just because she didn't want my dad to think that this was going to be great. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I think she was excited for it. Uh, she just didn't want to let that out so so there there's I guess that the beauty of it is look at where you are now so if we can fast forward you've got your daughter you've already shared no it was not easy tell me about the transition from you have to accept this now you've got a child that you're bringing in was there Never a thought since you were adopted at three, was there ever a thought of maybe adoption? After I had her mm-hmm. and took her home? No, okay. no. And I, and you know, my dad, he did present that to me once, once he knew that there was a baby coming, he really, really did try to push adoption on me. He's just like, you're not ready for this. You don't need this in your life. This is, you know, give this child something better. And I'm sorry, but after I had her, there was just something that went off inside of me that was like, I went from selfish to selfless overnight. Um, Mm. Inexplicably, again, I don't, I don't know how to put it into words. Uh, We were meant to be together. Truly, she's my mini me. Looks just like me. Aww. Acts like me. She's beautiful. <laughs> so, thank you. You're she is. She is. Um, she's a one of a kind, and I can't imagine having her out in the world and me not knowing her. I think if I had, for me, a piece of me would have been gone if I didn't think I could have given her the love that I had, um, and taken care of her in one way or another. I probably would have put her up for adoption, but I did still have this person over here that was still supporting me. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, we, we weren't married at that time, but you know, we did get married. She was nine months old when we got married and okay. just it's, if I hadn't had his support, maybe things have been, would have been different, Yeah, but so I we- can't speak on that. I really feel, you know, if there's anybody listening right now, if you are alone in this, please reach out, reach out to Embrace Grace as a curriculum, a small support group that could help you wade through this. And then of course your local pregnancy resource centers, you know, just talk to somebody Um, because whatever decision you make, it it ultimately is your decision. And it's a decision that you'll have to live with whatever that decision Mm -hmm. is. So now that you had the support, it was it's never easy, but it was easier because maybe outside of the home, because you had his support, you didn't feel alone, which I think is really important because most of the women that I have talked to, because I've sat in the counseling room 
kneecap to kneecap with women who have a surprise pregnancy and their decisions are based on the boyfriend. So if the boyfriend or even the husband in some cases says, we can't afford to have another child, you need to have an abortion, they have the abortion. But that abortion impacts not just the pre-born child, but it impacts the woman years and years and years and years down the road, especially since mm -hmm. we kind of put it under the rug. Um, I so, wish they didn't. I wish that wasn't a stigma because I think yeah. you should be able to talk about it. Um, I don't think you should have to keep it a secret. I only feel that way now. 26 years ago, I did not feel that way. Right. Um, the things you wish you could go tell your younger self. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? I think all of us <laughs> could do that. Yes. Uh, Everyone but then we can wouldn't relate. be so wise today if we didn't go through those <laughs> those it's it's crimes. also true yeah mm -hmm. so now you how how old is your daughter she's 26 she 26. just turned 26 oh my yeah. goodness and so I have a question about about her reception of you sharing the story with her from what was intended to to where she is now at what age was that appropriate to share that in your eyes and and how did she receive it um, so I, I started talking about, uh, sex and babies probably right around the age of 12, uh, with her because they were going to start introducing this kind of stuff at school still, uh, th that long ago, they were still talking about it in school and you didn't have to sign waivers for them to talk about it. Um, so I shared that with her. I want to say she was 12 or 13 years old. Uh, and there was another layer to it. And she also finds this to be humorous. At the time when I was at the clinic, uh, they did have to do an ultrasound so that they could make sure that you were actually pregnant and mm -hmm. um, try to tell how far along you were besides just basing it off when you say your last period was. And at the clinic, there were two, there were twins, uh, at the first, when I first had the first initial ultrasound so that they could tell me how far along I was before I came back for the actual uh, procedure. Mm -hmm. When I went back for the procedure, the there was only one embryo showing. Um, they said it can happen. They call it a vanishing twin. She likes to tell people she ate her twin in the womb just oh as gosh. part of her story oh <laughs> and that she, and that she consumed, that's why she's such a smart girl because she consumed oh no. everything else from the other one. It, so I tell her this when she's 13 and, you know, I tell her, I, I didn't go into details about it. I just said, I just need you to understand that if something like this was to happen to you, you can come talk to me. I, mm. I don't need you to be a secret and I am here for you no matter, no matter what, but her reception of it then was just like, oh, so I wasn't supposed to be here. She was a very intelligent young child, book reader, sponge of everything she reads. So telling her at 13 was like telling her when she was 17, um, she understood what I meant, but she kind of, she kind of took it and like, huh, so I'm a miracle baby. And I'm like, Yes, in a way you are. Mm -hmm. um, 100%. Today, 
today she will tell me thank you like on her birthday mother thank you so much for your body doing what it did someone coming down up above and <laughs> letting me have now 26 years on earth so she thanks me <laughs> in her joking way but she does think that she yeah, just has nine lives and she's slowly using them <laughs> as she gets older <laughs> oh gosh so the the wise words were make good choices oh. right oh That's my gosh mm -hmm. yes make good choices but if you don't you just know you'll learn something from it right you know was, you have to trip and get back up again right and there was something that you said there that that really stood out to me and that is that you wanted her to know her story because, and I'm putting words in your mouth right now, but the way that I read it is you wanted to be relatable to her so that if anything ever happens that she didn't want to happen, you don't want her to feel the guilt and the shame and condemnation. You want her to know yep. she has support. Yes. I wanted her to know from a very young age and, you know, she has a sister now and her sister, we were the same way with her. We're very open with our children. We want them to not be afraid to talk about anything. Um, oh, it just, I'm an open door. It was not like that when I was a child. It was not like that with my husband when he was a child. It was don't, don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Um, no, I want you to ask and tell. And isn't it interesting because you, you can either mirror what you grew up with or you can do the opposite of what you grew up with. And mm -hmm. so you decided to do the opposite because you probably knew what it felt like and you didn't like the way it felt. And so you didn't want your children to experience that. Would that oh, be an accurate And statement? again, yes. Um, it took me a long time to realize that too, but I think I actually used that power probably in my mid twenties is I just, I'm like, I am going to have to raise my girls differently. Mm. Um, there needs to be more because I just felt like there was not so much when I was younger. My brother felt the same way. We should, we have a lot in common. We share, we understand our childhood. Yeah. Um, our parents see it differently, but we understand what we went through as children and what we didn't want when we got older. So what would you say to the the young girl, <clears throat> maybe she's a teenager, who is raised by parents who are very, I don't want to say authoritarian, but almost like a dictatorship, where you don't really get to mm -hmm. talk about things. What What advice would you give them? Well, you can, there's certain lines you can't cross when you're, you feel you can't cross when you're living under someone's roof and they're taking care of you and providing for you. Um, like what line? If you can, well, like talking back. I mean, yes, they're, they're, they have authority over you. They have a hold over you. Um, but if you're in a situation like I was in and they're not talking, they're not supporting, find someone, find someone that, you can talk to um i don't it could be someone at a local church it could be the 
counselor at the school that you go to, um, but find someone that you can talk to because keeping everything inside and not having someone to express thoughts with and trying to figure it out for yourself is so much harder. Um, great, great, great advice to, <clears throat> to actually get it off your chest to talk about whatever is going on. And sometimes we just really want to vent. We don't, yeah. we're not looking for a fix. We're not looking for suggestions. You know, we're just, we just need to vent. We just need to get it mm -hmm. off our chest so that we can move on and get beyond. So that, yeah. that's very sound advice it really is. Um, and I hope that if there's anybody listening that is feeling kind of stuck, that they do find a trusted person to share whatever mm -hmm. it is that's on their heart. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just think that's really important. It will help you to be mentally healthy too, instead of holding yeah. in. So, are there, I mean, there's, there's another situation that you had shared with me and we're not going to have time to get into it right now. But, oh my gosh, I, would you come back at some point yeah. to share the other story? My goodness. It's like the total opposite end of the spectrum from this one. <laughs> it is, but I, you, well, I mean, it's up to you. We've got, it's, no, it, it, it would be too much. We're, we'll lose the audience. So, okay. Gotcha. Oh my gosh. You guys will have to come back for, for Cherise when, when we have her back, because you are not <laughs> the other story. So this one is extremely powerful. You gave some words of wisdom to the listening audience, you know, find somebody to talk to somebody who you can trust, get resources, you know, whatever resources there are available to you. If you have a decision to make about a surprise pregnancy and find that support, you know, sometimes part of the resource is finding someone to support you. Yeah, I know these days it is kind of hard depending on where you live. Mm -hmm. Personally speaking, I live in Oklahoma. Um, it's not as easy to do it as it was. Like if you, if you're not, you, if you don't want the baby, you can't go forward with it and you're not looking to give it up for adoption. Those decisions are sometimes made for you depending on where you live. And, um, that does make it harder, but there are still people out there you can talk to. There's usually Planned Parenthood in every, every state. So find one, find someone to talk to. Well, I'm going to push back on that because Planned Parenthood has one agenda. So I really want people uh -huh. to find somebody to talk to who will give them all of the options, not okay. just want to push that one. So yeah, ixnay that. I don't know how to edit that out, but gotcha. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I think the important thing to know is that it, it is a life uh, and mm -hmm. whatever decision you make, again, you are the one that has to live with that decision nobody else. So make the decision based on what's right for you, but also know that even though we don't broadcast it, that it truly is a child. And at 21 days, there is a heartbeat. So yeah. there are many stories and we won't get into it here about things that have gone wrong and deaths that have occurred. Um, so I just, I'm not going to make, yeah. make this about gore, but your story, because it was so powerful and so beautiful and the way that you were protected and the way your daughter was protected, just the whole flow of it and how she knows, and she makes a joke about it and that poor twin. And it, it just <laughs> is really, 
It's amazing. And I appreciate so much that you were willing to share that because there are some hard details in there. You know, and there were some emotional moments and some triggers. So I thank you for sharing that, that you did actually survive having a child at 17. Oh my gosh. Surprisingly, you know, yes, you're yes. not going to die. No, you're not. And you you're going to be put still... through the ringer, but you're, you're yes, going to make it. It'll be You'll hard, make but it. you can still yeah. do what you want to do. It just might be delayed. Yeah. It, that's so, very true. That's the life that I'm currently living now. Uh, yeah. You said it. That's how we met in the Bahamas because I'm living my life backwards. There you go. <laughs> you can still have the things that you want. Again, it just you might can. be delayed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And in the meantime, you'll have a huge blessing when you've got these little arms that are wrapping around you and calling you mommy. And yeah. uh, there's nothing like it. Place it. Of course. <laughs> She's old enough now. You can just walk away, right? Not she does well. She does still walk up to me and put her arms around me and call me mommy. It's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, hold on to that forever. Goodness. All right. Well, I am again grateful for you sharing your story. I know that people Thank are you. going to be moved and blessed by it, and I think it's going to help them to have some insight and possibly even gain some wisdom if they know somebody who has walked through a hard time. Maybe now somebody listening says, I need to be a better support for this person. Yeah. So you're, you're going to touch many lives through what you've shared. And well, again, I'll, um, I am going to have you back. Because <laughs> the other story is just as powerful. Uh, man, you've got the stories. So Aww. thanks again. And you're uh, welcome. We'll airing in December. So the first day right. of December is when we'll be seeing you. Okay. Thank you so All much, right. Teresa. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right.